George is the story of a transgender girl who wants to be Charlotte in her school play of Charlotte's Web. The trouble is that no one knows that she's a girl. Welcome to The Yarn, a School Library Journal production. I'm Colby Sharp. Today, we continue our Unraveler series. In each episode, a book creator will take listeners inside one of their books. Their inspiration, process, hopes and fears, frustrations, triumphs, epiphanies. The whole thing pulled apart and laid bare, unraveled. Today on the show, Alex Gino, author of George. I interviewed Alex at ALA this past summer in Orlando. In this episode, Alex talks about the process of writing George, what it is like being the first middle grade author to identify themselves as transgender, and what it is like to get emails from readers. Hi, my name is Alex Gino, and I wrote George, which was published by Scholastic Press. It was a very long process. Um, It took probably about two years to get a first draft done. And then by that point, I was exhausted and emotionally, like it was hard to get through. Um, And then I showed it to friends and family and got some feedback and used that to write a second draft. And then it got into the hands of a friend of mine who's an editor. And she sat me down and said, in terms of really publishing this we want this to really be good and I think it has potential for that but first you have to do this 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 and also this oh and don't forget to do this this and this and you know while you're at it you should probably do this um so that took a couple more years um and after a number of revisions it finally was ready to be sent out and I sent it out and in the very first round of agents um Jennifer Laughlin was interested because when you submit to agents, you do your research and you get it into the right hands and you have a much better shot. Um, And then we did another year of revise and resubmit three different times um, until she finally signed it. And then we did one more round of revise and resubmit. And then when she sent it out, David Levithan from Scholastic picked it up in 24 hours. So it was all that front-loading that makes it look like, oh, yeah, it was just, yeah, it was the first round of submissions because of all of that prep work and also because of timing. Culture made some major shifts in that 10 years, and in fact, I had to change the book to catch up with where culture had gotten. In the early drafts of the book, the word trans didn't appear because what 10-year-old trans girl is going to find the word transgender? That seemed unreasonable. But now, with the internet and access to information, who wouldn't find it if they were looking for it? I got an email from my agent the next morning said, um, do you have time to talk? And I'm like, oh, we're going to revise again. I can do this. It has to be the best it can be. You know, come on, come on. I, can, I got it. I got it. And she's like, yeah, um, David Levin is interested. I'm like, so what do we do? She's like, well, now we check in with the other people. And then he preempted. He really wanted it. Um, And Scholastic has been amazing with it. Scholastic has um, really put their heart and soul into it.
When I started writing Melissa's story, there was no trans fiction that I knew of. And as I was writing it, a few picture books came out and a few young adult novels came out. And about six months before mine came out, there was the first middle grade novel with a trans main character. And almost all of them were written by cisgender people. And so they have a different feel to them. And um, V of the Gay YA wrote an amazing post talking about the trans acceptance narrative, where the narrative of a lot of those stories is how hard it is to know someone who's trans, how hard it is to have someone come out to you as trans. And I know this is a podcast, you can't see me playing the world's tiniest violin right here, but honestly, how hard is it to be trans when that's what someone's thinking about, how hard it is to have someone come out to them as trans? And so I am, as far as I know, the first trans-identified person writing trans middle grade fiction. Um, and I know of one person in picture books, and I know of one person in YA. It is a very small community. Um, and that is overwhelming and frightening and amazing. And I am so glad that I figured out my own gender stuff and my own life stuff before I ever got my writing career together. I've been in activism. I know how to talk about these things. I have practice at it. I feel very comfortable at it. Um, perhaps too comfortable sometimes. I will just talk about it in a bar when people don't want me to. Um, and I have a degree in education, so I'm, I'm conversant in those things. I can't imagine already being an author and then coming out in the public eye. That to me is its own different kind of scary. Um, but so where I am is I'm in this place of being a voice expected to speak for other voices. And so one of the things that I try to say more often than anything else is I am a trans experience and Melissa's story is a trans experience and there are as many trans stories as there are trans people. And my story is not Melissa's, is not anyone else's. Um, and that's why we need more different stories. I'm here and hopefully my book's success tells other publishers, yes, get these stories out there because books are consumable. We eat them and then we need another. I've gotten emails from kids who have read the book and the emails of trans kids who feel validation are wonderful and amazing and I know that it's changing lives in that way that I don't really fully deeply understand because how can you can conceive of that? How can you conceive of changing the life of someone you've never met and yet it's happening? Um, and at the same time, some of the most precious stories are coming from cis kids who are writing and saying, I want to be like Kelly. And who are saying, I felt connection when I felt different. And that's powerful. That's connection. 
because I really, I have this image in my head of 20 years from now. There's a cisgender, very masculine, heteronormative, football, jockey jock, drunk on PBR, four in the morning, right? You see this scene. We see how this scene, the way that we grew up, and so this person has a whole formative set of experiences and notions of the world in their mind. And they see someone approaching who they identify as trans. And maybe if Melissa is in that formative experience and other trans stories of actual life are in those formative experiences, this bro dude sees a person. And that trans person makes it through the night. Books literally save lives. And that, yeah, I get goosebumps. And I, every time I think about that image, I get goosebumps of that. And just nothing happens. And that's the point. Nothing happens. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Yarn. Thank you to Philip Stead for creating our theme song. And thank you, Lizette Serrano, for setting up our interview with Alex. If you have any ideas for a season or episode of The Yarn, shoot us an email, theyarnpodcast at gmail.com. We will be back in two weeks with the first episode of Season 2.